Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. I'm your host, and my name is Camille Joy. I want to welcome you to the show. If this is your very first time joining us, welcome, 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 welcome. And thank you for coming on to the show. What you will experience today is going to be amazing. To all of my MVP listeners, welcome back. You guys are the real MVPs. I say that every week because I really value you guys. You guys encourage me to continue to move forward in this platform that God has pushed me to do. And um, I love you guys. Um, This show today is going to be like every other show that we have a guest on, which means it's going to be encouraging, it's going to be uplifting, it's going to be amazing, and it's going to encourage you to focus on the joy. After we have all been through our different trials and tribulations, you can live again, you can find joy again, and you don't have to stay in the place of darkness and sadness. So today, I have on the show Miss Tamisha Isaac living openly. Um, She is an HIV positive activist, one who has been diagnosed but chosen to live openly and encourage others who have lived, been, who have been diagnosed with this. So she is one powerhouse. Um, House announcements for the Moments of Joy podcast. If you know anyone with a really positive and really encouraging story, I would like you to submit your stories to the Moments of Joy podcast. You guys can find me on Instagram at Moments of Joy podcast, or you can email me at info at Camille-Joy.com. And you guys can submit. If you know someone with a powerful story, you can submit them to me. Um, And I'm not looking for people with huge platforms. You don't have to have thousands of followers. But you just have to be an everyday overcomer. And someone who has um, a relationship with Christ and overcome something great. So guys, I won't prolong. But I want you to... Get ready for Miss Tamisha Isaac. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Let's go. I need the joy, the joy of the Lord in my heart. I need to make an exchange. Mm-hmm. My day even start. Let your light shine all through my life. My heart is open and I am ready to receive your joy. Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast, Tanisha. Well, good morning. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here talking with you this morning. Yes. I'm so honored that you would join us today and grace this podcast with your powerful story. You have an amazing story. And I actually um, found out about you by one of my friends, um, Sana Latrice, a former guest on the show. She mm-hmm. sent me your information and was just like, 
Camille. You have to contact her. You have to listen to her story. Listen to her podcast. And when I did, I was just blown away by your story. So thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Shana is amazing. She's a beautiful person. It's amazing how technology can connect people and (laughs) you never know, you know, who you're meeting, where and how you're meeting them. But it's always a good thing to just be your authentic self because that's exactly who Sana is and that's exactly how I was. We met through Instagram and never met. Oh, wow. And look at that. God made it where we were sharing a panel together where we were just happened to be on the same panel and that that's when we met for the first time Wow! and we've been Instagram buddies for forever and it was just it's like we were two sisters who just instantly connected not only through social media but when we met each other in person the embrace the love Mm -hmm. the laugh the it, it was just beautiful so I'm grateful for her recommendation thank you you're welcome and I hear an accent in your voice where are you from (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, I'm an island girl. Yes, <laughs> I'm from Saint Martin originally. Oh wow. yes, beautiful. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna get right into your story, and I just um like you to open up with the guest and just talk about how you grew up and um you know where you come from, and talk to us a little bit about growing up as Tanisha. Absolutely. So I was born in the island of Guadeloupe, which is a French territory, but I was raised in St. Martin. My mom, she's from St. Martin. That's where I was raised. I was raised by a single mom, um, my grandmother, and lots of aunts and uncles and cousins. (laughs) Growing up in a, a small island where, you know, family is definitely close-knit and we you know we always they always help out each other that's how I grew up Mm -hmm. um I also have you know bittersweet moments about growing up in such small islands because you know back in the days you know we weren't aware of certain things we knew we know but we weren't you know aware and open-minded about opening up about certain things that happened to you so growing up it was always first of all I was terrified of my mother because not only was she single and headstrong she was so she was my mother and my father at the same time so Mm -hmm. it's like she had to pay play sorry two roles and uh, me looking back now I can see how much of a pressure that was on her in the moment when things was happening, I was like, oh, she's so mean. She's, you know, she's, she's, she abuses me physically and mentally, you know, unknowingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. I was terrified to tell her things. I was terrified to even come into her, to talk to her about certain things, because the simplest thing I would say that sounded out of pocket towards her. I will get a slap or a beating, mm-hmm. terrible beating, mm-hmm. beating to the point where my body would, you know, I would get cuts 
my body would be bleeding or I would get slapped and my nose would be bleeding, which was a a very common thing for me. And Mm -hmm. that was my first sign of abuse. Mm -hmm. That's when I learned how to accept abuse and thought that it was okay. Wow. You know, yeah. Well, because, you know, growing you know us west indian people growing up we don't we don't see these things as um as as uh abuse or trauma but it really is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now that the world that we're living in where black and brown people is coming to the realization that we all suffer from pt some form of ptsd yes this is true and it creates all kinds of anxiety, depression, suicidal mm-hmm. emotions, feelings, and thoughts in our minds. And mm-hmm. it, it all has a root. And right. that was my root. That was one of my mm-hmm. roots. At seven, I was molested by a neighbor and I didn't disclose to my mom until I was like about 27 and pregnant with my second son. Wow. That's a very heavy burden to carry mm-hmm. for a person. And from the age of seven, this person, this neighbor, he continuously molested me until I was like about 12. Wow. And. Wow. After all of that, you know, like I never told, I never said a word to mm-hmm. anyone. And when I disclosed to my mother at 27, she pretty much just said, you know, I never told because I liked it. Oh my goodness. And, you know, I've forgiven my mother for a lot of things, you know, okay. I've, I, I had to, I had to, right. I have to that's not where we are today. Like the emotions that I felt towards her, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not where we are today. I love my mother and I appreciate who she is and what she's done because she did what she could with what she had and how she knew. Right. She only gave what was given to her. You know what I mean? That's the only way. We, we do things. We all have, have things that we do that we, that was taught to us we just yeah. you know sometimes people do things and you're like but why you do that and then like, i don't know i just do it i just do it because oh that's what my mama did or so my grandmother did that's what my aunties did so we we do things that was ingrained in us so i had to forgive her for that because she only did and was acting the way how she acts towards me because that's all she knew that's such a true statement because, you know, if you think about, I'm a chef, so if you think about what we cook in our homes every day, we cook mm-hmm. most times what we have been used to our parents cooking. Our mm-hmm. We might stray off a little bit and cook something else, but it's really rooted in what we've already been taught. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes for you to break a chain or break a pattern, you have to definitely go back to the roots. Yeah. You have to expose the roots. You have to dig deep and you have to you have to get dirty. You have have to get dirty and 
me now being the person that so uh, back let me I'm going ahead of myself so let me go back into the story so yeah. from from that molestation <laughs> from that and then I'm going to get into baby after from that molestation right um after at 12 when that person showed up I was actually in the yard playing by my grandmother's house with my brother and my little brother he was two and some other friends and he called me per usual like he usually do Mm -hmm. but by now I'm a little older I kind of I don't understand fully but I kind of understand a little of what's going on right and I'm like uh if you don't get away from me right and now I'm fighting back because I'm refusing I'm like no I don't you know I don't want I don't want to come with you I'm not going anywhere with you yeah go away from me or else I'm going to scream Right. And I'm going to tell my uncles. Mm-hmm. And I think, no, not I think, I know. That was the last time that he ever approached me mm. after that. And then, of course, I moved away from that neighborhood because mm-hmm. my mother moved away and she brought me with her. So right. I finally moved away from that neighborhood. So I moved away from him. Mm-hmm. It made me an angry teenager. I've, I've been rebelling for as long as I can remember right and it's like for the life of my mother she didn't know what was going on and of course I couldn't really tell her because I was terrified of her right as the simplest little things she she taught me to not trust her because Mm. I would say innocent things and I would get a slap nose bleeding or terrible beatings and she it's like she wouldn't believe me anyway so what's the point right right what's the point and I became very promiscuous and crazy things about crazy thing is about when things like that happen to you you either go towards it head on or you repel against it and for me I was attracted to older dudes Mm -hmm. now I want to be with older dudes and I I, I prefer older dudes because that's that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. He was older, and now I have a found attraction for something I've been, that I was introduced to, and it made me just just boy crazed. Yeah, person. Yeah. It was open early, right? Absolutely. So. Because of that, you, you know, year, months and years go by, I ended up dealing with someone who was 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was 16 or 17. Right. And I stayed with this person, moved out of my mother's house, lived with this individual, going to work, living with him, and another set of hell was breaking loose mm-hmm. <laughs> because he was older I thought that it was better he promised the world and the stars and of course it's, that's never the truth mm-hmm. 
we were downstairs one time by the apartment that I lived and we were having a conversation. I was going out. I said the wrong thing. Of course, he slapped me in front of everybody. No starts bleeding. Wow. Upstairs in my apartment, I cleaned myself up and I went about my way, not confronting the situation, mm-hmm. not saying, hey, this is an abusive relationship because I'm accustomed to abuse. This, this right. is familiar to me. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Nosebleed. This this is very familiar. So of course I went out, came back home, and I stayed with him. Mm-hmm. When I came back home, it was late and the house was destroyed. When I went inside, the apartment mm-hmm. was in a chaotic mess. Mm-hmm. He broke the table, fridge on the floor, ripped clothes, pictures, and he was just drunk and laying on the bed. And me being me, I'm like, okay, what is this? I just, instead of leaving or calling the cops, I just went and like fixed the couch and lie down in my couch. Mm. I was awoken mm-hmm. by him with a fork digging oh. into my chest. Oh my goodness. Wow. From that, it turned into beatings and this this went on for a good minute and mm-hmm. I didn't understand what, what was happening. I'm like, oh my goodness, like he's going to kill me. Like I'm 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 about to die. But I, I don't leave. I still stay. Mm. Which is a familiar story for many. You know, um a lot of people are always like, you know, how could they stay? And and you don't know until you are in an abusive relationship. Um, so I share that with you. I remember being 17 or 16 and saying, I would never be in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and finding myself in one you, and staying for years, you know? Yep. Yeah. So he, he wouldn't, not only would he physically and mentally abuse me, he would also violate after all the beatings with sex, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm one of those and I remember the last time so the last we we moved we had to move from that apartment because the neighbors heard the commotion and they actually called the landlord and when he came when he came the landlord over by the apartment and he saw he told him that he had to repay some of the stuff because it was actually a furnished apartment the only thing that belonged to us was the bed, I believe, at that at that first apartment. And he told us that, you know, we had to leave because we couldn't stay there. Mm. I left and it's like every I would leave and he would come and look for me every time. Promised that it wouldn't happen again. Promised that he would change and things would get better. And me, because I loved him. I would go back every time. Right. Wow. I would go back every time. Yeah. The last time that he he actually did put his hands on me, he chopped me over my face with um I had this book that had a a hard plastic on it. It was a little notebook. He took that notebook and he hit me with it and he cho- it chopped me and I have a you can't physically see it on me anymore, mm-hmm. but it had co- it caused me a lot of um, radar. What is 
is it your your nose rhino like the, the my nose bridge it has like a little dysfunction stuff going on in there and as i get older it, it gets worse and caused me all kind of other issues mm-hmm. my mom was informed about that because we weren't talking for years and she, i remember she called me and she said if you don't leave this man i'm going to bury you mm. And I had to really think long and hard, you know, about that. And I decided to leave. And I decided at this time, when I leave, I would leave the country, period. Which he said anyway, because he, right. he used to say to me, nobody loves me. Nobody wants to be with me. And if I ever leave him, he will kill me, this and that and the third. And I believed him. I believed that he probably would have. Mm-hmm. And when I left him this time, instead of being somewhere where he can find me, I actually stayed with my paternal uncle and I moved to America with him. Mm. And a year after moving to America, I was, you know, I wasn't sick. I was fine. Everything was fine. And I asked my, I went to school in Massachusetts for medical assistant. And when I came back, I asked my aunt to take me to, um, you know, the doctor. She, you know, nothing was wrong. I just wanted, I've been here for a year. I just wanted to get a check on myself. I went, she took me to the CDC clinic downtown Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. It's called the Ford Green Clinic, I believe. And on the paper, it asked if I wanted to be tested for HIV. And I said, you know, I, I checked the yes box. Mm-hmm. My number was called. I went in the back. I got tested. I did a pap smear, full physical. Um, I left my information, went home. They called me like that Wednesday and told me that I needed to come back to the clinic because I had a not normal pap smear. Mm-hmm. I went back to the clinic that Wednesday. I had to sign in, got a number. They called my number. I went in the back, and when I went in the little you know, office, a gentleman came, and he he didn't say anything. Mm. He opened up a folder, and he slid a paper to me. And all I remember is on that paper, said whatever it said, and it had a big positive circle on it. Mm. So I looked at him, and I was like, you know what? you know, like, what does this mean? And all he did was just shook his head yes to me. And of course, now I'm hysterical. I'm crying. I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, I kind of, I understand because I remember a lot of people used to say to me, you know, why are you with that guy? He had this, so he had the thing. That's what they called it, the thing. And I asked him, several times and he would say oh people are just jealous of me this is a rumor that somebody started it's not true but in retrospect me now looking back at my situation Mm -hmm. he I remember there was times that this guy would take my toothbrush and brush his teeth with it Jesus yeah and he bled from his gums all the time wow and I'm like, this person, like, how, how cool can you be? 
Mm-hmm. And then it's not like I didn't ask. I asked. You took away my choice. You, you, right. you, you didn't even give me a choice. So, and, how yeah, old I, were you when when? You oh, took- I was nineteen. By the way, wow. When I found out, I was nineteen years old. Wow. So they said, I can't imagine. So you get that diagnosis that you are HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And then you, I can't imagine that you even fully know what it is at that age. Of course not. Uh, in my mind, all I thought is I'm going to die for real right. now. Because remember, even though it was in the early 2000s, we just got out of the 90s where where I come from, mm-hmm. you die. Right. So I was, I was just one one year fresh in America so I wasn't aware of you know how it had it had changed mm-hmm. with the medication and right. going to you know taking adhering to your medication mm-hmm. your regular doctor visits and the group therapies and all the you know community based organizations mm-hmm. that was available to you know to me and right. nor did I really know much about HIV period mm-hmm. right right so when I got that information to me I was it's like okay my life is over before it even begun because mm-hmm. I was still I was young I was 19 I was still a child technically mm-hmm. I thought that I was an adult but I I was clearly still a child mm-hmm Absolutely. And I remember leaving that, well, so the guy walks out and I guess he went to go tell somebody else because the lead, a lady came in and she was the one who actually got me to kind of calm down a little bit and it was like, you know, it's not a death sentence anymore and she's going to refer me to people who can assist me. And everything is going to be okay. And she kind of, she was the one that kind of reassured me that there's still hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a moment of, you know, despair, like there's still hope. Right. So I took all the paperwork that she gave me and I left. And I went to the train station and I went home, but I don't even remember how I got home, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't even, I don't remember that ride. It Mm -hmm. felt like the longest ride ever. Yes. And I was staying with my aunts and my uncles, my paternal family, and I had to disclose to them because I couldn't be living in their house with with Absolutely. this and they have small children my aunt had my aunt daughter at the time she was she was four or five yeah she's a baby like even though it's not airborne but right I don't know I just I just felt the need that I had to tell her what was going on so of course I did mm-hmm. and I called her information the referral that was given to me and out of every all of the numbers that I call I finally got a voice and it was at the time Haitian Women's Program. Mm-hmm. Now they changed their name to Diaspora Community Services. 
And I was assigned a caseworker, and that woman was, she was my angel on earth. Mm. Her name is Simone Ross, and she was my caseworker, and she assisted me in getting into care, housing, oh my God, you name it, Um, group therapy. She, she was, she's, she was one of the best caseworkers that I've ever had and hence why I remembered her name because she definitely made an impact right and how, how did you handle it when you told them to be honest with you my family never treated me no different that's beautiful Wow. Yeah, I I must say that I'm truly blessed yes. where that is concerned because they they never treated me no differently. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, they never treat I I was stigmatized in other ways, mm-hmm. but as far as like shunning me away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never experienced that from them. That's beautiful. I have been stigmatized in other ways, but not with that was concerned. Okay. Okay. That in itself is a blessing because it's a lonely situation. It's it's a lonely, lonely situation. It's lonely. Mm -hmm. It's frightening. And there's different stages that people go through with with such diagnosis. But throughout all that I've been through, trust me when I tell you, God had his hand in everything. Mm-hmm. He had his hand in everything because in that moment, that's when I got saved. Mm. Thank you, God. And, wow. and that moment also, that's when my real relationship with God begun because mm-hmm. I couldn't lean on nobody else but him mm-hmm. for the strength and the courage that he has placed on me. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I also knew that, yes, I'm HIV positive, but me being positive wasn't for me. Right. That's it right. was for me to educate others and uplift others and also to show God, show others God's mercy and grace mm-hmm. in my life that's right and of course at the time I didn't know all of that but mm-hmm. now looking back through everything that I've been through and everything that has happened I understand why I went through what I went through I understand why certain things happen the way that it happened and trust me things happen all the time even now but now because I know better and I understand the test and I understand what my job really is I can understand the attacks and absolutely. move accordingly mm-hmm. absolutely and so today you are living openly yes <laughs> yes yes I am and it took me a while mm-hmm it took me a very long time because, again, you know, with me being positive, one would say how this woman had have two children and they're negative, my kids, by the way. So oh, it's wow. my ex. 
husband. So so I have two kids with two different men. My first son is for my ex-husband and Mm -hmm. he's negative. My second son is for someone else and also negative. Mm -hmm. And they're negative because I've been undetectable for all these years. And for those who who don't know, undetectable just means that your your viral your virus the virus in your body they call it viral load it's they do a super sensitive test and within that pen of blood there's no virus detected okay so it's virally suppressed Mm -hmm. and the cdc has now officially launched this campaign called you equals you meaning undetectable equals untransmittable Okay. So that's the reason why my partners did not get it and mm-hmm. my kids have have don't have it either. Okay. And moving forward as long as I continue to stay undetectable, virally suppressed, I cannot pass the virus on to anybody. Okay. Um since then two years ago so a lot of things have happened between homelessness depression anxiety suicidal Mm. attempts twice Mm. it's been a challenge for me it's been a real challenge for me because being depressed and all these other stuff is it's like you you've been stuck in a world and when you find a fog and then when you finally come out out of it you've you find this whole new other world and this whole new other uh, part of yourself. Um, two years ago, I was homeless with my kids after I lost my job due to a co-worker and um, I attempted suicide, of mm-hmm. course. And I said to myself, you know, I'm tired of living in the shadows. I'm tired of hiding who I truly am because I'm not living myself. I'm not living my life the way how I want to live my life and be free of who I am because not because of me, but because I'm protecting others, because I'm Mm -hmm. protecting my mother, because I'm Mm -hmm. protecting family, because I'm protecting friends and Really and truly, it was really killing me and eating me up inside because I'm not living my truth because I was too busy living everybody else's truth. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, um, I was interviewed on a live and I told the world about my situation. Of course, my family wasn't happy. Of course, my mother wasn't happy. But I had to do what was best for me. Yes. And you needed to be free. Honestly speaking, that's the best decision I've ever made for myself because ever since then, doors have been opening for me in all mm-hmm. kinds of different ways. Mm-hmm. I am now today, to this date, I am now an HIV risk reduction counselor, wow. HIV pre and post testing counselor, a stigma wow. counselor, wow. a life coach, certified life coach. Jeez. And I am actually taking my effective facilitator certification next week with the city of New Jersey and I'm just excited for all the things that God is doing in my life yes just by accepting my call and 
allowing him to be my navigator because none of this can happen if he's not in the midst. And how can I, how can people see the glory of him in my life if I don't open my mouth and talk and I don't show them? How can they believe in anything when you, you know, we, we have to show proof of who he really is and what he does for us. That's right. So today I, I am the most comfortable, happiest person with myself because I finally put me first. Mm -hmm. I finally trust me. Mm -hmm. I finally love all of me, Mm -hmm. despite of what others may think, feel, or say what they think, feel, or say is not my problem. That's right. That's right. That's right. It is not my problem. It is theirs. And I love the relationship that my mother and I have because I, I teach her a lot about who I am, what mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. about this virus, yes. to teach her also to break free from, you know, certain stigmas that was placed on her. That's right. From That's her right. society. Mm-hmm. You know, so people will listen to my story and they feel because I would say things that happened in the past that that's the current situation. Mm-hmm. Don't never be fooled that that's the current situation. Yes. Because just like you're not supposed to get into marital affairs, mm-hmm. you should never get involved in family affairs such as mother-daughter situations. That's right. <laughs> at the end of the day, she is still my mother, That's and I right. am still her daughter. Mm-hmm. So people love to, you know, pick sides and oh, her mother this and oh, she's that. No, try mm-hmm. to figure out the situation. Try to understand the, you know, that their, their point of view or why they did what they did. And yes. I think me having what I have and given the situation, I really do. I when people treat me ill or do treat me nasty or abrupt or harsh, I always like to look deeper because that's that's the surface that I'm just seeing it's like a tree. You're just seeing yes. the leaves and they yes. all scraggly and shaky. But trust me, there's something else happening deep down in a root that we don't see because not all roots expose themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thank you. This is um this is just amazing. And and it's really um, encouraging. And I know that someone listening has HIV and they are in the place where you were. Um, not being able to share and feeling like they may want to die. And I thank you for having the boldness to live openly and share your story. You know, this is not, like you said, um, the early 90s, late 80s, and, you know, they will not die. And I think that we, we as a society are more accepting of HIV positive and AIDS because, um, there's more education on it. We, we've been educated all through school about this virus. Um, so I thank you for coming on to share. And before we close, um, I would just like you to um, give a, a small message to someone who is listening today who has been diagnosed and, and they're in a place where they are 
just struggling right now? My message to that person who is newly diagnosed is know that you're not alone. You have a tribe of women out here and men who are willing to assist you navigate and understand what's happening. HIV is no longer a death sentence. HIV is almost, we're, you know, we're almost at the end of finding a cure to end this epidemic. It's a fight, but it's a fight that you don't have to fight by yourself. You have sisters, you have community-based organization and trained professionals who can assist you navigate what you're going through. And there's a lot of services available to you contrary to what others may think or say. There is a lot of services out here to help you navigate and to help you get through this tough time. I can be reached at www.openlypositive.com, on IG at Openly Positive, on Facebook at Miss Misha's World of Empowerment Openly Positive Group, or Openly Positive Booking at gmail.com. My name is Tamisha Isaac, aka Openly Positive, your HIV coach and friend. Thank you. Wow. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. And and you also spoke of just that that time where you allowed this to um, be the point where you um, decided to just have a relationship with God. And I think that that's really important for them to take away with them. Yes. Yeah. You you have to you have to invite God and every situation that you're doing because he's he's the way maker he's the way maker he will he will give you understanding and clarity of things mm-hmm. you know when i was much younger i didn't quite understand it all but now that here i am 36 about to be 37 at the end of this year it's 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 my understanding level and the wisdom that I've gained is it's it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Um, I'm speechless, and um, I just <laughs> want to say thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I thank feel, you for having me. You're welcome. I just feel so blessed um, to just have listened to the story and just to be able to release it uh, on this platform. I'm always astonished and and just lately the the people and the caliber of testimonies that he's bringing to the show because we're all everyday people, but we're like Mm -hmm. everyday overcomers and God Mm -hmm. has unique stories because there's people, billions of people all around the world and they all go through different things. So I'm, I'm thankful that you are here to reach the woman who's been abused, been molested, been homeless, been suicidal, been depressed, and who has diagnosed with HIV positive. So I thank you again 
for joining us today on the Moments of Joy podcast. And uh, I'm going to list all of your contact information in the description of the show so that they will be able to find you and reach out to you. Awesome. Thank you so much again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yes, you are welcome. God bless you, Tanisha. God bless you. Bye, Joy. Bye-bye. See, I told you. We had another powerful story (laughs) to listen to, and I hope that you guys enjoyed. Share. Share this on your social media platforms. Share this with your friends, guys. Um, I love you guys, and I I want to encourage you to um, push forward and to seek God about what he has to come out of your dark times. Out of my dark times is here now this podcast. You know, where I'm sharing with you guys, where I'm encouraging um, you all. So let's seek God about what he would have for us to do and launch that thing. And, you know, not hold on to what he's placed in your belly. So I pray for you guys that you will give birth to the vision that God has given you. All right. Well, this is it for this episode of the Moments of Joy podcast. Next week, we have another amazing guest. Love you all. Bye-bye.